So relationships with money are really important to be aware of because there are always polar opposites. Welcome to Gleanings, where we explore holistic approaches to reaching your true potential, mind, body, and soul. Good afternoon, Yvonne. Good afternoon. Hi. In our past Gleanings episodes, we have been discussing different ways to decrease anxiety in our lives. And money is definitely something that triggers anxiety for a lot of people. And I know in my own past, when my finances have been kind of out of control, I think my anxiety level kind of parallels that. And so I'm really excited that we get to talk today about money mindset and how your financial situation may impact your anxiety level. So obviously you're not... um, a life coach. Right. So our talk is going to be a little different today, but um, I would love to hear how you see um, money and finances and money mindset kind of impacting people's anxiety levels and their overall mental health. Yeah. So I always tell my clients that money affects everything in your life. Um, whether it's emotional well-being or how much stress you have or how much sleep you're getting, your options for life, money just touches everything in life. And so it's super important to have your money management just on on par because that way everything is more stable and, um, and that way your anxiety levels can go down because um, the less secure you are about your finances and your mindset, the higher anxiety levels are going to go up. So it's super important just to have everything managed really, really well with your money because it really does affect everything in your life. I completely agree. So what are some of the things that you suggest to people um, as they're dealing with their finances to be able to prevent anxiety and stress from it? Yeah, so my number one rule is to always know all your numbers, right? So in um, budgeting or just money management in general, it's just basic arithmetic. So we have money going in and money going out. And a lot of the times what happens is people who have high anxiety about their money don't know their numbers at all. They don't know how much is going out of the bank every month. And so sometimes they just cross their fingers, close their eyes, and hope that there's enough money at the end of the month um, to make it through. And that as you can see, can cause a high level anxiety. So number one is to always know your numbers. And then number two is to come up with a clear action plan for your finances. um, So you know exactly what steps you're going to be doing to be able to reach your financial goals. Instead of just winging all your money um, moves just uh, spontaneously because that can cause a lot of anxiety. Okay. Um, so what are some of your mantras that you might attribute to finances and financial mindset? Yeah, so number one is that money is just a tool. It's not evil. It's not good. It's just neutral. It's just a tool that you can use and manage to accomplish what you want in your life. 
Um, another one is that everything that you desire money-wise, financially-wise is out there. And all it is is just putting yourself on the right path to get what you want in life and um, taking the right action steps to get there. Um, and then lastly, money gives you freedom and options. So it's super important to be able to manage your money really, really well so that you can get whatever you want out of life because whatever you want out of life does involve money in one way or the other. I've been reading some books on money mindset and it's interesting. You kind of touched a little bit on the abundance uh, topic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have more to say on that? Yeah, so sometimes, um, depending on what financial situation you're in, it can kind of feel like money is limited to you and that everyone else has more money and more options um, than you do. But if you um, remember that there's an abundance of money out there, there's money flowing through the ecosystem and economy um, every which way, and that you are part of that as well. So if you just place yourself in a position of abundance and open your mindset to all the different options available to you, then you're more likely going to be able to um, accept all of the opportunities that are coming your way that you might not be seeing because um, you have your blinders on and you feel like that's just not part of your life. But instead, if you open yourself up to all of that, then um, money will be able to come your way more easily. So what would your official title be? A financial coach. Oh, okay. Yeah. So do you find that people have kind of a resistance or barriers to even discussing this? Um, most of the people I've worked with so far are pretty open to um, accepting money. Sometimes when they are drowning in a lot of debt, it can kind of be a little harder to see that because they feel so behind and in the hole that they just don't see anything else. So the first step for that is to just um, get them on a plan to get out of debt. And then that way they can start taking positive steps towards uh, that abundance mindset. Excellent. Do you feel that people of different age ranges might be coming to you with different concerns and different viewpoints um, on money mindset? Oh, I feel like um, different groups in uh, the same age range can actually have uh, different mindsets. So it kind of depends on the situation that they're in and the life that they're trying to build um, and the way they grew up, right? So sometimes people who grew up in a household um, with money coming everywhere, then they're more likely to be open to money and receiving money. Um, so I don't think that it's always an age, an age set, but sometimes it can be, right? If the older people are and the longer they've been stuck in a mindset where they're not accepting money and they feel very limited, the harder it is going to be to break that habit. So um, trying to break that a little early on might help, but it definitely depends on the situation of the person. That makes sense. I think yeah. it's the same way with most habits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> The more ingrained they are, the harder they are to exactly. get into a different path. Yeah. Um, do you see more people come to you once they're kind of overwhelmed or do you have more people that are more proactive? A little bit of both. So I've had people who come to me who are trying to um, either get themselves out of debt and on a plan or people who 
have a lot of money, but they just don't know what to do with it. And in both cases, they're overwhelmed and money and the whole financial situation is a little abstract to them. So they, um, they just don't know what to do. And so what I help them do is kind of just lay out a plan and break down the numbers because like I said, it's just basic arithmetic and um, kind of setting up categories that you are trying to work towards in your life. Do you see this causing a lot of friction in couples, uh, maybe even touching on people coming from it from different aspects, maybe one's more of a spender, one's more of a saver? Yeah, definitely. So uh, with couples, you have two different people coming from two different money backgrounds, right? And best case scenario, you would want people who um, kind of have the same mindset on money, but that's not always the case, obviously. Yeah. So what's important to do in that case is to um, kind of find a middle ground. So um, have them find something they agree on with money and any differences, try and work on that because money is more than just the numbers. It's also emotions and the emotions that we attach to money. So it's really important to kind of just dig a little deeper with each person and their perspective and try and have them compromise and realize that if they do share money and they do share an economic system together, then it's really important to be aligned with each other and move forward as one instead of, um, coming at it from different angles, which can cause a lot of friction, as you can imagine. Definitely. Yeah. Did you see a huge influx of people needing support during 2020? <laughs> or how else did that kind of shift your approaches or the people that were coming to you? Yeah, so 2020 was a crazy year, obviously, <laughs> and a lot of people um, had their financial life impacted. So um, this was something that was talked about in the financial coaching community during 2020 um, when people were struggling with money. So um, yes and no, like obviously some people didn't have enough money to go out and find a financial coach to kind of help them. Um, they were just trying to hold on tight while the storm was passing. Um, so I think during that time, people were just trying to survive. They're in survival mode and um, getting coaching and just like working on their money mindset might have not been the number one priority at that point. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that myself, I have children in college and I know sometimes people think that somehow there's going to be enough scholarships and like everything's just going to work itself out when they, you get to that point. Do you have suggestions for people either when they find themselves in that situation or maybe preparing in advance to kind of um, sidestep all the anxiety that might go with finding out that financially that's not going to work out? As, so if they're like going into college? Yeah. Yeah. So um, obviously try and get what you can um, because there are opportunities out there. But um, I guess what I would say is that no, there is a risk of um, occurring, accruing student debt loans if you are going that route and that's your only option um, if you're not able to get support any other way. Um, but it is really just what you want out of your life. If you truly do want a college degree and you think that will be worth it and you'll have a plan of um, paying it off, then 
definitely go for it. But if you're going to college just because everyone says that you should and you're going to a really expensive school for no good reason other than social pressure, then I would just look at the finances and see how that's really going to impact your life after after you go through those years. So a lot of the times we inherit certain things from our parents or from our family situations like you were talking about. So what is things, what are some things that parents could do to kind of prevent anxiety for their children surrounding this like ahead of time? Uh, as far as college or just money in general? Um, maybe both. Yeah, so yeah. Um, talking to their kids about money, um, just even simply when they're little kids, um, that way they kind of get used to money talk because I know money isn't talked about in families a lot. So it's very mysterious. And then once the kids get into the real world, they're just kind of thrown to the sharks and expected to figure it out on their own. So definitely kind of just having simple money talks with their kids. And especially as they're growing up, let's say they get allowance, um, telling them what, what that money means and how to save it and get them forming money habits. That way they have strong habits in place once they start earning their own money with um, their own real-time jobs or part-time jobs. They kind of know how to handle it. And I would definitely encourage them to have their kids go through some sort of personal finance class in high school oh, um, nice. because it's not mandatory, but I really believe it should be. Definitely. So many students get in so much financial trouble um, once they get out. I can remember, I think the main thing that we had was just learning how to write a check, which, you know, nowadays, like, that's not even exactly. really useful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of how I got started on my personal finance journey. Um, well, growing up, I, I was able to grow up in a stable income family, thank goodness, um, but I also loved reading um, just some simple picture books about money and um, just learning about how to manage money. You know, I had a piggy bank and like I learned how to save my money. Um, but I accidentally landed in a personal finance class in high school because I had actually signed up for a drawing class, but they were completely full. Oh. So I had actually been placed in a personal finance class. And that's kind of where I learned my personal finance 101 from there. <laughs> and I learned all those concepts before I had real money to manage, before my first real um, part-time job. And by the time I earned my first paycheck, I already knew what to do with, with that money and how to manage it. And so I think because of that, I've never really had anxiety around the money. Um, and I didn't really stress about it because I already knew how to manage it before I, I even got the real money to manage if that makes sense yeah excellent it sounds like you had a good foundation once you got yeah. into the situation you already had the tools exactly uh, let's talk about credit cards because those can definitely cause anxiety and yes. i know like even my own children even like as soon as they applied to college and they were still in high school man those credit card applications you know just started rolling in it was like oh you're pre-approved i'm like you have a job <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so do you recommend um, people trying to build their credit by getting credit cards early on or those should be avoided until later down the road when you're more financially mature or what are your thoughts? So I definitely recommend learning about credit cards and the, the pros and cons to them before you're even allowed to have a credit card. That's where I learned everything. It was a, again in my personal finance class in high school where they taught you 
don't do this with your credit cards because you'll be paying this much money in interest and it's going to take you, you know, 15 years to pay off this credit card just for a silly shopping spree that you had fun uh, for a few hours and then you're going to be paying for it for 15 years. Like that doesn't sound appealing at all. (laughs) So definitely learning about that. Um, But I do recommend, so learning about it, that way you can be responsible with your credit card. And then um, I do recommend getting just like a small credit card, like a student credit card maybe, and buying small items on it every month just to kind of build up your credit and kind of start your credit history. That way, as you get older, you do increase your score. So um, I remember I got my first credit card when I was a senior in high school and I had um, just like a little bit of money on there and my full intention was to use it to buy coffee or gas once or twice a month and then pay it right off with my debit card. And then um, since then, I've been able to build my credit score really, really well. Um, and yeah, just as long as you have that foundation and know the damages of credit cards that like how damaging it can be if you don't pay it off, then um, definitely use it responsibly and never use what you don't already have in your checking account. Uh, very good advice. <laughs> <laughs> do you recommend paying them off completely every month or do you need to leave some on there rolling over in order to gain credit or is that a myth? Um, I would definitely, I've always paid everything off because um, one, just having a clean balance every month is really nice. And two, um, yeah, paying it off so you don't accrue interest. I've I, I never heard that when I was learning about impersonal finance. I did hear about it from other people who were saying leave some to get some interest to gain your, like grow your credit score. But um, I've never done that and my credit score has always been great. So I recommend paying it off and that way it gets you into a good habit of never using more than what you can afford with your credit card. Very good advice, I think. <laughs> So once people find themselves kind of in a bind and they're stressed out and, and then they're seeking your advice and you, you mentioned, you know, always knowing your numbers and having a clear plan, like what would be some of those first um, action steps maybe that they should take even before they come to see you? Yeah. So I always send my uh, clients before I work with them a spreadsheet for them to fill out of how much money they're bringing in and how much money they're um, putting out every month. And so what I would recommend is just going through your bank statement and maybe having a highlighter and just highlighting um, one, how much money you're bringing in every month, especially for people who work hourly jobs and maybe they don't exactly know if they're not on a salary. And then highlighting everything that you are paying every month because all those um, small subscriptions can really add up. All the eating out can add up like no other. If you are constantly going out for coffee or eating out and just give yourself a total of how much you spend in each category category because it's a very eye thing to people when they um, add up their numbers. And once you see those numbers, then you'll really know where you are going to start from. Otherwise, it's just an abstract guess of what you need to do. But as long as you're concrete on those numbers, then it'll be much, much easier. (laughs) That's good advice. Thank you. So as you are very well aware, we have lots of different money-related topics that do trigger anxiety. And um, a couple that I could think of um, would be 
you get into a bind, say your car breaks down or all of a sudden you have a doctor bill that you didn't know you were gonna have. So um, do you have suggestions on emergency funds and the other kind of related topic, but maybe down the road would be um, retirement. So you kind of get into that situation where you're kind of nearing retirement and you're like, oh my gosh, like I didn't think about <laughs> saving any money for retirement. Right. <laughs> so first emergency funds. So you should always have an emergency fund um, if you can afford it. Um, and by when I say when you can afford it, meaning you're able to eat and then pay all your bills and cover things like that. But really one of your priorities in your budget should be funding your emergency fund because life always happens. And um, you're gonna need that money one way or the other, whether your car breaks down or your fridge breaks down or you have a vet bill because your dog needs surgery. Um, it's super important to have that money just sitting aside. And it also gives you a sense of security as well and that reduces your anxiety. I was working with one client where she had enough um, enough money set aside for an emergency fund, but she wanted a little more to feel secure. So we worked that into her budget. And she said that once she reached that goal, then she would feel a little more secure. And I could tell that her anxiety about that entire topic was going down because she had a plan in action. So having an emergency fund is just the best way to kill a lot of that stress related to money because you know that if anything happens, um, you're covered because if you don't have that emergency fund, you're kind of walking on eggshells through life, trying not to make anything happen. Um, otherwise, you, you'd have to pay money to fix whatever went wrong. So having an emergency fund is definitely one of the top priorities, priorities that you need to do um, once how, you're up and going. Yeah. And how would you determine what is a good amount to have or what percentage of your income or your bills or in order yeah. to... Have an yeah, so um, overall, you should have three to six months worth of emergency funds just to um, cover the basics, at least $1,000-ish around there. That'll cover most emergencies that crop up um, for really three to six months of your personal living expenses. That way, if you get laid off or you lose your job, like a lot of people did during 2020, um, for people who had that emergency fund, they could breathe a little easier knowing that they had some time that they can go out and get another job if they needed to, or they were just covered for the next however many months that they had covered. Um, that way you're not panicking the moment something happens and you're able to breathe and um, figure out a plan to kind of get back on track. And as far as uh, retirement, so again, when I learned about all the foundational concepts about personal finance in my class, one of the things was to fund your retirement as soon as possible. So for anyone young um, out there, just once you get a good job and you start earning money, open a retirement account with your employer as soon as possible because time is our most valuable asset. And funding your retirement as soon as possible will allow your funds to grow over time. And there's always this chart that they show you where um, someone who puts in maybe $100 every month towards their retirement when they're 20, let's say, um, and they're doing that consistently. Their other friend who starts spending their retirement at 30, even though they're putting larger chunks of money in their account, let's say $500, it'll be a lot harder for them to catch up 
than the first friend who started a lot earlier, um, just because of time and compound interest and all of that. So um, for younger people, definitely start as soon as possible. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It, it gets really hard to catch up once you lose 10 years of time in your <laughs> account. But as far as people who are a little older and want to um, really get a jump start on that, I would suggest looking at all your different options and funding your retirement um, to the max or as far, close to the max as you can each year. And if you are a certain age, they will allow you to put a little bit extra money in your retirement account that is uh, over the max than what other people are allowed to. So just kind of thinking about that and working that into your budget numbers so that you can really make that a priority if you're looking to retire soon. And what if you're working for a job that doesn't have a retirement plan? Yeah, so you can open your own retirement account called an IRA, um, and then you can open that online with any um, any broker that you're comfortable with, and you can always talk to a financial advisor, um, and they will point you in the right direction of what kind of retirement fund that you would want to put money in, and they will work with you on your goals, your risk tolerance, and all of that. So it's definitely an option for people who work with who work with employer who don't offer that plan. There are always other options. So look into an IRA. Okay. Could we dive deeper into um, our relationships with money? And then perhaps um, what if your current income is not enough and which might be skewing your relationship with your money <laughs> um, yeah. and what you could do maybe to subsidize your income? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So relationships with money are really important to be aware of because there are always polar opposites with every aspect of money. So either you're a saver or a spender or somewhere in between. Either you think that money is limited to you or you think it's an abundance. Um, either you think it's a great tool or an evil tool. So just kind of being aware of what your personal relationship with money is because it's different for everyone depending on your environment, um, how you grew up, how much money you're earning, the options that you have for life. So. Um, just identifying where you are right now in order to become aware and moving forward from there. Um, so that's really important to know. And especially if you, you know, are a spender more than a saver, then um, you can kind of work on that and kind of just ask yourself, why do you impulse buy so much, for example? Um, and then just kind of go from there. Um, as far as people who don't make enough money, to kind of fund their goals or just have enough money that makes them happy and comfortable, I would say, you know, start a side hustle or get a part-time job. There was a report that came out in 2019, I believe, and they said that about 45% of Americans have a side hustle income. And that was uh, for both part-time workers and people who worked full-time jobs. They still had side hustle income. And, it's becoming more and more of a necessity, a necessity for a lot of people because you know prices these days can be crazy depending on where you live and your lifestyle. But sometimes it's just great to have the extra money just to either fund your emergency fund or kind of live the lifestyle that you want or just to relieve your stress and anxiety if you aren't bringing in enough money with your primary job. So it's really important to kind of just find those options out there. And there are a ton of options um, nowadays that you can do from home or work on your own schedule, like um, driving for 
you know, Uber or doing DoorDash or Grubhub, just the simple things or working from home and finding companies that you can work remotely for and just earn income here and there. I was actually hearing um, a research study the other day, they were talking about um, most millionaires have like seven or eight sources of income. And that was interesting to me that I kind of thought like maybe they would have, you know, focused in on one thing, but they actually, you know, kind of keep creating that cushion, right? Yeah. You know, doesn't work out that they still have other sources Mm -hmm. of income. Yeah, it's kind of like not putting all your, all your eggs in one basket and having multiple streams. Um, Like you said, if one thing happens to one source, you're covered on all the other income streams. And I think that's really important because what they're building is passive income. And so you work really hard and you create something great, um, whether it's a product or service, and then that continues to bring you in money, which buys you more time to concentrate on something else and build something else up and kind of earn money that way. And so you keep doing that. And then eventually you have money coming in from everywhere, right? From all directions. And um, yeah, it's a great, it's a great situation to be in. So do you only help people locally or do you help people online and? Yeah, so I do all my uh, coaching sessions virtually through uh, video conferencing um, and I've worked with people all over the country. So um, I live in Oregon, so I, yeah, so I'm from Oregon, but I've conferenced with people from Colorado, Tennessee. Um, the other day I was working from someone in the UK. It was a lot of fun. Um, yep. So, so <laughs> I just love technology these days because you can really reach people from wherever you are. Absolutely. So how could people locate you if they were wanting to receive your assistance? Yeah, so my Instagram for my coaching business is at the20s budget. And so when I started my um, kind of just personal finance website, it's it's called the 20s budget because that the goal back then was to kind of educate people in their 20s about personal finance and um, money management and things like that. But I've worked with people in all decades of their life. So don't, don't be thrown off by the name. <laughs> um, and if they wanted to see kind of what my coaching is about, they can go to the20sbudget.com forward slash coaching and it will give them all the information that they would need to know. Excellent. Well, I think that you've definitely provided us a lot of gems today that could help <laughs> you. <laughs> yes, thank uh-huh. you. So I'll, I'll link your um, information in the show notes so that people sure. can definitely find you and reach out to you. Because I okay, think you could all you benefit so from your advice. <laughs> oh, thank you. I hope so. <laughs> it was great talking to you today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It was so great to talk to you. Have a great evening. You too. Bye. Bye.